Welcome to the Divorce Liberator Broadcast. I'm Andrea M. Stuckey, and this is where we talk about all things life, love, and lessons after divorce. It's an amazing day. Thank you so much for joining me on the Divorce Liberator podcast. This is episode six. And today I have two special guests on the podcast. So I'm really, really excited to have these two. They're both certified divorce life coaches. And we're going to talk, of course, all things life, love, and lessons about divorce. And so let's just jump on into it. So first I have Angela Mendingal Williams. She's a certified divorce life coach and owner of Arise, allowing restoration in the Savior's embrace. And she helps divorced Christian women come out of toxic, abusive marriages and helps them break through the barriers of guilt, shame, and unbiblical teaching and mindsets so they can rediscover hope and dreams and realize who they truly are in Christ. And then we have Nicole Deneen, the unmarried woman's coach. She helps unmarried women align with the highest versions of themselves to create a life they love after experiencing separation and or divorce. Welcome ladies. Thank you. So glad to be here. Thank you. Yes. Well, this is exciting because I know both of you very, very well. Um, You know, I have coached you in the past. You've been a great a large supporter and team member of the Divorce Women Unite community. And you both, both, excuse me, have also gotten your, you know, life coaching certification for divorced women. And so tonight we're going to talk about, of course, divorce. I have some questions I'd like to ask you just to give our audience and listeners some insight of your individual journeys. And I think it's always wonderful to hear women who've gone through divorce and how they've, you know, transitioned through that time. And then also have, especially, you know, just sort of made that or have been called in that space to help other women. And uh, it's just an exciting time. It's exciting time because, you know, at the recording of this podcast, I've been out of my second marriage for about 12 years and I did go through therapy and I had some, you know, some coaching. Um, However, I hadn't heard of divorce life coaches specifically or communities. And so it's just so exciting, not only for myself to have a brand and a business um, that serves separated and divorced women, but to see other women have a similar mindset and a similar purpose to help heal separated and divorced women because it is a very traumatic time, a huge life change and challenge and transition. So let me just jump on into some questions today. And um, Angela, I'll start with you. Okay. Well, first of all, tell me, or let's tell the audience how long you've been divorced, how long you were married and how long you've been divorced. And if you have any children, maybe their ages, that'll kind of give them some insight of your background. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, 
I was married for 34 years. I've been divorced for six. So um, this past week actually would have been my 40th wedding anniversary. <laughs> um, so that's a long time to be involved with someone that is um, toxic. Um, and in that time, you, you, there is a lot of trauma and a lot of it you don't even know is happening. Well, in my, uh, in my marriage, we had three children. Uh, my oldest son just turned 38. I have a son that is 37. I'm sorry, how old is he? No, he's 36. So 38, 36. And my daughter is 32. Okay. Um, so the, the, a lot, many people ask me, do you regret marrying him? Or if you could do it over, would you? And even though I went through all that, I would have to say, yes, I would. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't have my children. And they are the loves of my life. I, I, I cannot imagine life without them and my grandchildren. Yes. Thank, thank you for that. And I love that perspective because whether it has to do with our past relationships or not, which we're talking about divorce here, but our lives, all the uh, highs and lows, if you will, make us who we are today. And, mm -hmm. you know, all things happen for a reason. Sometimes we don't understand why at the time, but, um, you know, it's part of that journey. Right. So, Nicole, I'll allow you to sort of introduce yourself as well. Of course, thank you. Thank you. So pleased to be here. I'm so excited. Uh, my name is Nicole Deneen. As uh, coach said, I'm the unmarried woman's coach. I was married for 13 years. Um, I've been separated for, um, well, we separated in 2018 and our divorce was finalized last year. So I'm moving into about uh, almost a year and a half of the divorce being finalized, but we've been pretty much separated since uh, 2018. So what's that about four, maybe moving into year five. And I have two children. My son is 13 years old and my daughter is 15. Okay. Wow. And I love that you said that one, I love the contrast in a way here of even the ages of the children and the length of the marriages and, and that type of thing. Um, so it gives two different perspectives and experiences uh, or history, if you will. And also the fact that um, Nicole, you know, the position, if you will, when you're going through a divorce, that sometimes it takes a while, right? Yes. For the divorce yes. to happen. And it's in and, and, and every situation is different, but sometimes the longer uh, the marriage, the more challenging the actual divorce from, you know, separating assets and things of those natures and property and, you know, getting children's, um, uh, you know, visitation, all those things under wraps uh, can take, can take some time. Absolutely. Um, it was certainly a process, right? It is a process. Yeah, it definitely is. So ladies, uh, you know, as you, thank you so much, first of all, for just sharing um, that information. And, and when you think about your 
initial transition into the divorce or, you know, separation space, being single, if you will, quote unquote, um, what would you say was your biggest transition, the biggest change that you had to make? And I'll start with you, Angela. Oh, wow. Let's see. The biggest transition initially was not having a place to live. <laughs> um, technically, I was homeless because, you know, I had to make a choice. I could have kept the house, but um, financially, I knew, I knew I wouldn't be able to do that. Plus, there were too many bad memories there. And so I really needed to get out of there. So yeah, the initially it was not having a place to live. And I, I am so blessed to have friends that have supported me because many times women that are coming out of uh, abusive marriages don't have that. So I am very blessed to say that I did have that. I had friends that that allowed me to live with them for a while, you know, until I was ready to step out and um, actually purchase my own home. Okay. So um, that to me was the biggest thing. Sure, sure. Initially, um, anyway. Right, right. Because there are a lot of transitions, right? But initially, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you. Um, and I would, I would uh, surmise that your children were adults at that time. Yes. Okay. Right. Yes. They were all, they are all adults. Uh, they were all married, <laughs> living okay. in different places. And uh, I probably could have lived with them. Um, my daughter was not in a place uh, to do that. I don't know that I, well, I won't go there, but um I probably could have lived there, but that that just was not on my radar to yeah. live and with I was, my children at that point. Yeah, and I just mentioned that aspect just to bring a little clarity because, um, you know, when you were saying that you, you know, you had friends and things who supported you, that that it was not that they wouldn't have supported you with children, but just to make that clarity for the audience as well, you know. Right. It would have been much more difficult. Oh my goodness. It would have been so difficult. Um, I, I, in that case, I may have decided or opted to stay in the home that we raised the children in if it had been that situation. I, I wouldn't have known what else to do. I didn't have enough money coming in for um, to move anywhere else with them. Mm -hmm. um, the circumstances would have been a lot different. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I am so blessed, even though I, I ended up waiting that long and that's a whole long story mm -hmm. with that, but I, I am so grateful that I did not have young children that we had to, um, co-parent. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or make those decisions. Yeah. And, um, you know, as you said earlier, what a beautiful thing to have loving friends and family and people who support you. And that's yes. a in a huge need, if you will, when you're going through such a tumultuous time and transition. So that's a blessing. Absolutely. 
And Nicole, what about you? What, what was your biggest transition? That's such a layered question. I'm not sure that I can even identify like what the biggest transition was because there were so many transitions. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most challenging things was, um, as we sort of just spoke to, my children at the time were eight and 10 years old. So it was very challenging to try to manage their emotions and uh, their security around, uh, or insecurity rather, around the disruption that was occurring all while trying to maintain some level of emotional temperament for myself. Um, I think that was one of the most challenging things. Of course, there were the worries around, you know, what are we going to do with the house? What does that look like? Um, and I was lucky and blessed enough to be able to remain in the family home. But I do think that a lot of that was as a result of my refusal to, to move, my refusal to do anything different until uh, the courts told me that I had to. Um, and by that time, we actually reached some agreement. So that was not the case. But my greatest worry was around where am I going to move with the children? Where am I going to, what type of an environment am I going to, you know, live with them um, in terms of just their safety, given my daughter was 10 at the time, my son was eight, and I would now be a single parent living in the home alone with them. So the quality and the safety of the neighborhood was of great concern to me. Um, as well as trying to figure out how I could continue to show up every day as their mom while mm -hmm. tending to their hurt and their confusion, but also tending to my own. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank, thank you for sharing that. And that is, that is a big transition, especially when we have younger children um, managing their emotions because all children how they perceive that transition is very different Absolutely. from, from their age, you know, depending on their age and then also depending on the experience and their personalities. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's so much. And, you know, as you said, Nicole, and managing your own emotions and trying to show up for them, um, you know, you use, you use tempered, but I'm saying going to say sane, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is a better, that is a much better word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sane. Mm -hmm. Yes. I agree. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, and I think the and, other thing to just add on that is that <laughs> I had to, in the moment, real time, learn to extend a bit of grace to myself because I didn't always show up in the best of light because I was struggling with my, you know, with my own issues, with my own uh, grief and the cycle of, you know, going through the denial and the anger and the bargaining and the depression and the acceptance and then stepping back into the denial and the bargaining. It wasn't a linear path at all. So I think it's important that we recognize that challenge and that we allow not only grace for ourselves, but, you know, grace for our children too, because some of the uh, structure that was in place prior to this disruption that occurred in our lives, I couldn't always maintain that. And I had to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, absolutely. I can totally relate. That was a big challenge for me as well. The, you know, controlling everything and wanting things to flow. I, I like structure and order. And so, <laughs> you know, moving the children and uh, I'm not going to get into my story per se today, but I can totally relate to what you're saying in terms of that type of disruption. I definitely understand. Definitely, definitely understand. So let's talk about, you know, there's a initial phase, right, of divorce, going through separation and the challenges. Um, and it's kind of interesting because we think about, uh, I have like a visual in my head of like the beginning stage, you go on this path, this journey, right? And the journey and goal is, is acceptance and healing from that transition. And that healing journey, if you will, looks very different for everyone. And because I know both of you, <laughs> um, I know that you both come to a level of acceptance. And it doesn't mean that we don't have, you know, uh, challenges or thoughts or different things, but you've come to a level of acceptance with what has taken place with the former relationship. Um, and you have a level of healing. And I say a level because I've been learned from my therapist that healing is sort of a forever journey. And I've been, since I've learned that phrase, I've been repeating it a lot because it was so powerful to me. Because I know that along not only the journey of divorce, if you will, but the journey of life, that sometimes we can have two or three steps back and keep moving forward. But it doesn't mean that we're not we have not accepted that aspect of our life, right? But there's still gonna be some times where we're challenged or we stumble in different areas of our life sort of related to that past experience. And that's quite okay. Um, so I would like for you to share with me, if you will, you know, what do you think was an integral part? And there may be many different parts, but the, an integral part or a large part of your personal healing or, or coming to grips and acceptance with your divorce. And I'll start with Nicole with you this time. Okay. Um, I would say that for me, I had to be willing to walk in and walk out grief. I had to be willing to mourn the loss that I was experiencing, regardless of why I was experiencing that loss. And I also had to figure out how to uh, mourn and release, but also hold on to hope that I would not always be in that place. I initially too thought like, it's important for me to heal from this. And I had to recognize that it is a journey and it's a process. And some days I'm going to go back two steps. Some days I might be triggered. Other days I might feel like, okay, yes, I got this. And then it sort of surprised me at times when there was something that popped up that was a trigger and I found myself back in a level of grief. Um, so that was really important for me to do. And part of my ability to do that was definitely participating in therapy, definitely having a really good support network. Um, working with you, Coach Andrea, was um, very helpful as well. Uh, being willing to open myself up to someone that had experienced uh, similar a similar process and being willing to be vulnerable enough to open myself up to walk alongside or to ask for help. Um, it was 
challenging initially because there was such a amount of guilt and shame and humility that I felt. I mean, certainly as a believer, divorce was never something that I imagined I would be dealing with. Um, and in my case, I do believe that my divorce was necessary. It was a necessary ending. Um, but being able to really grieve what was lost, and it is a loss, you know, it's something that was in your loss, in your life was lost for whatever reason that was. And um, I had to be vulnerable and willing enough to grieve it so that that grief didn't was it mistaken for anger? Yes. Yes. You, grief, you... And, grief and anger, they can, they get, they look very similar. They mm -hmm. feel very similar. And sometimes we convince ourselves that we're stuck in the anger when really it's just the grief that needs to be acknowledged and released. Yes. I love that. And you, you have such a loaded response because you said several things that I think is challenging uh, for women and men, but you know, we're, since we're primarily talking to women, because um, we are women, we've had that experience, is you know, just really owning that grief and being able to feel those feelings and knowing that it's okay, that it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to, you're gonna be in denial for a stage, you know? There's gonna be that aspect of bargaining and um, situational depression and those things, but to own that. And I think that sometimes because society, I believe, minimizes divorce now because yes. it's common that we feel we just have to rush on with life and, or at least look as though we've rushed on um, or jump into another relationship to, you know, for a plethora of other reasons, but not really dealing with our own feelings. I see it in my coaching practice very, very often when we're trying to skip steps, if you will, right? And again, yes, yes. Or prove a point. <laughs> yes, or prove a point. Absolutely, Angela. Um, mm -hmm. To let people know that we're okay or we want the ex to know that we're okay and, you know, we've moved on. We don't, we don't need them. <laughs> right, right, right. And those are, oh, those my are goodness. fruitful thoughts. But we've got to go through that process. And as I've said, in this space as a coach, I've seen women, because uh, here's the here's the truth. The chronological time of a separation or divorce does not denote healing. Yes. And so mm -hmm. I consult and coach with women who've been divorced for eight, 10 years, who still haven't come to a level of acceptance, which is that final aspect or final stage, if you will, of grief, and have not even really dealt with some of their feelings. They just kind of mask them or push them down mm -hmm. and just, um, went on to do other things. And, you know, we all cope in different ways, um, but that is beautiful to share. And thank you so much for sharing that. Owning our grief, feeling it, and then also asking for help. Yes. That's oh, another that's big one. Yes. You know, as women, we're used to wearing that cape, doing it all, which it's killing us, by the way, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. It is killing us indeed at a very it fast is, rate. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, but not asking for help. And then also, uh, I'll just touch on this a little bit here is, and you, and you alluded to it as well, Nicole, being a Christian, being a believer 
and, you know, never really thinking that this would end and feeling that guilt and shame. And perhaps even depending on your circle, not you specifically, Nicole, but a person's circle or family, the pushback in that space of Christianity and religion and church aspects. And, you know, just so just feeling all of those things um, can be challenging in that transition. But most importantly, uh, working through that grief is powerful. So thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely. I really do believe that you have to, you have to grieve. You have to grieve what your marriage was, what your relationship was. You have to grieve what it meant. And you have to grieve that it is no longer, that is now gone. You have to grieve that loss. And I believe, especially as we're um, speaking about emotional healing, that without grief, you cannot heal. You have yeah. to release that grief in order to walk towards your healing. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And Angela, what about you? What would, what do you think was the, you know, a, a integral part of your? Well, so much of what Nicole shared is I, I wholeheartedly agree with um, the, the grief and anger uh, correlation that is that was amazing but to understand that because you have some anger or because you you have some grief does not mean that you have not forgiven once you have forgiven <laughs> now again that's a whole nother topic forgiveness yes, yes. is a journey it is a journey all by itself um but sometimes we get hung up on thinking that if we are, if we have an angry thought of some, you know, something comes to mind and man, you get angry again, or, or some new, something new happens. And you're like, <laughs> you're angry all over again. Does not mean that you have not forgiven. Anger is an emotion. It's a natural emotion that we have. Um, so to, to understand that it is related to grief, it, that, that is very powerful. And there are a lot of little nuances there uh, in with that because anger can really turn into bitterness and we don't want that to happen which is why it is so important to have coaches and to have friends and to have therapy to help you walk through these kinds of things and coach Andrea let me just just a little sidebar thank you so much for what you do to help us a second okay. that <laughs> okay so yeah. you know you help us walk through things like that um for me, one of the, the big things that helped me realize that I really was healing, because you, you do wonder, I mean, you've got all these feelings and emotions and all of this happening kind of all at one time. The thing, the, the, the one incident that happened to let me know that I had started the healing process was one day I was headed home from work to my friend's house where I was living at the time. And I was sitting at the stop sign and all of a sudden it dawned on me 
that I didn't have that sense of dread that I used to have when I was going home. Wow. That was a real, I, I, I was like, oh my goodness. I never even realized I had had that until that moment. And I knew that I was on a healing journey. I, I had begun my healing. And yeah. I, I don't know how to describe how I felt at that moment. I think I cried. Mm. <laughs> I think that's what I did right there at the stop sign. But um, yeah, as healing happens, it, it is a journey. And it's it's almost like, let me describe it this way it's almost like um going to school okay when we are in second grade we have math we have history we have science you know all your basic classes you learn your information you take a test and you pass you go to the next grade guess what you have in the next grade you have math and you have science and you have this. You're going to have the same things over just at a different level. And you're going to learn and you're going to pass the test. And that's yeah. kind of what your healing journey is like. I love that. You're going, to, you're going to go through these things. And as you learn, you pass the test and you may see that thing again, just at a different level. So, wow. um, but you probably can't do that by yourself. You, you've got to have some help. Mm -hmm. You've got to have some help. Those supportive friends that you have. And on that note, if you have friends that do not support you, it's okay to walk away from them. It's yeah. okay. It's all right to say, no, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Because there are women out there. There there, there are communities in your area where you live and online. The Divorce Women's Unite community are all women that understand we've been there. And you have Coach Andrea, which is at the helm of this community. She's ready and willing to help, to, to guide you at whatever level you are. So. Um, yeah, just it, it happens. It, healing happens, but you have to be intentional about it. It doesn't just happen by itself. Yes, you, you've said a lot. And that's powerful. Um, I love that analogy about the grades. That is, that's powerful. And then lastly, when you just said too, the intentionality. Healing. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, one of the things that and I'm sure you guys have heard of this, but you know, I challenge people um, to quantify their healing. In other words, if you feel that you're healed, well, have you been intentional about any specific work that you've done? And when I say work, that could be read books, you know, just uh, understanding yourself better about what you're going through, your separation, divorce, maybe just having a friend to talk to, therapy, coaching, um, support groups at churches and communities, something that's helping you move through that process. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot easy to trick ourselves into thinking that time is an automatic, automatic healer. But if we can't quantify it, and that's what I like to, to 
to share is can you quantify what have you done? Right? How do you know you're moving through this process? Right. And again, it can be a book on a particular topic of your healing or divorce or something, you know, that that's challenging you to think differently, to sort of see yourself in a different light, get feedback from other people, friends, support groups and things of that nature um, are very helpful, are very, very. Yes. Love it. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to move on to the next question. Do you feel, let me see if that's what I want to, one second. Yeah, we will go there. We'll, we'll jump on in. Um, as I was talking about the journey process, right? So the, you know, the healing, um, you know, the acceptance level, um, some of those challenges. And, you know, oftentimes I know um, because of my, well, not really my own experience when we talk about dating, because that's where I'm going next, right? Um, I didn't date again until two and a half years after my separation slash divorce. I was really focused on my, you know, reestablishing my household because I moved into a whole new community and all those things. And oftentimes when I'm talking to women in the coaching space and consulting with them, that's high on the priority list. And so I just want to ask you ladies, uh, and you can feel free to share that aspect if you want or not, but what is your thoughts on it? Do you feel that there's a right time to date again after divorce? And that's a, right. that's a great question. Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. <laughs> um, I think that, I don't know that there is per se, a right time. I think that that's going to depend on the individual. Um, the reality is that there are, you know, maybe many people that stayed in marriages that were not thriving already. They may have already been emotionally disconnected. Um, different people have different experiences. So I don't know that we can identify one right time that will be uh, applicable to every person in every situation. Um, I think that that right time for you is going to be a time where, you know, where you might, where, when you know it. And I think the most important thing to be aware of is making sure that when you do put yourself in that space, that you are not um, doing it in a way in which you're stuffing or, that that's not your coping mechanism to deal with your healing process, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think I, I look at dating as a um, different levels. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, let's see, okay. I think for, I can only speak for myself. When, uh, when I was fresh out of my divorce, for me, would not have been a good time to date. Would not have been, healing had not happened. I would have gone in um, expecting um uh, a relationship to develop, you know, being exclusive. And I don't 
think coming out of divorce, out of a divorce, that's where, especially not being healed, that should not be the focus. If dating happens, I think that it should be just get getting to know somebody for the person they are, not for necessarily a romantic um, relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, having come out of an abusive situation, I was not at that mindset. I would not have been, I, I wasn't there. So it kind of, like Nicole said, it, it all depends on the individual and where they are in their mindset um, and uh, their, their situation. So yeah. um, as far, so, you know, going out, not expecting to be in any kind of um, uh, emotional bond or uh, romantic situation. I that would be what I think mm-hmm. I would have done differently mm-hmm. early on. If that makes sense, <laughs> it does. Does it absolutely makes sense? So if I if if I if I understand what you're saying, it sounds as if you're saying, okay, so if you are going to date, that you're dating sort of for companionship, having fun perhaps, but not necessarily um, initially moving right in to an emotional bond. Is that what I kind of hear you saying? That is exactly what I'm saying. I think that is a dangerous move for someone coming out of a specifically abusive relationship um there is so much healing that has to occur um in that kind of a situation um personally for the person coming out of that that to try to jump into another relationship is like slapping a band-aid on um, your throat being slit you know uh, Right. That was kind of gross. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But I I totally understand what you're saying. And I think you both have said some powerful um, statements. I think, you know, the truth is what's right for you. Right. And, and we all know that, that there's no one size fits all. And what I wanted to do with that question was just kind of get your, your insight and to share with people your thought process, because I think a lot of times women, um, you know, we're hopeless romantics at heart. We just, Mm -hmm are mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um so it's it's natural to kind of gravitate towards love again and that kind of thing but it's really important that one is the cold that we don't use it as a coping aspect to to sort of cover our healing journey if you will because you know those hurt emotions that we don't deal with they will always surface and it's just a matter of time and i always use the volcano as an example it's just laying dormant until something happens and all those um, negative emotions that haven't been dealt with will explode in, in, in that aspect if, they haven't, if there hasn't been healing. And then the aspect that you were referring to, Angela, one of the things I, I say and have experienced this um, somewhat in myself and then also in you know, different clients that I've consulted over the years is that when you have come out of an abusive relationship, 
And if you've been in such turmoil and been mistreated and, you know, because abuse is it's horrible, it's a horrible experience, mm-hmm. then anyone who is just nice <laughs> seems like, you know, the king of England. You know what I mean? It's just like, yes, yes. <laughs> you're, you're operating from a space of deficit, really, because you haven't had that attention, you haven't had that feeling, you haven't had, and it doesn't necessarily mean, it doesn't mean that that's a bad person, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you have to be careful because your emotions can play tricks. Whereas, yes, it's a nice person, but it may not be the right person for you. And so if we're not evaluating our new set of goals and aspiration and values at this stage in our life, then we could find ourselves, you know, hurt again, if you will. And, and that's Absolutely. part of the problem. You know, you know, you gotta have some hurt feelings when you come out um, in this dating space in uh, at this taping 2022. Because uh, uh, and another thing, I you know, I say for those who follow me, they've heard it before. But you know, if you've been married for um, an extended period of time and you're just coming back to the dating space, it's not the same as it was 10, 15, 20, or 30 years ago. Right. Dating today is very, very different. And if you're not uh, you know, privy, if you will, to how it's done, you know, it can really lead for, um, hurt, hurt feelings, you know, and I, and I use the example, I'm kind of dramatic, you know, but I'm like, you know, it'll leave you in the fetal position, you know what I'm saying? You'll be back in the oh, wow. bed. Right, right, right. No, I'm, I'm just not doing this, but I think yeah. if you come out and you take your time and get, you know, um, allow yourself to understand not only the dating space, heal first, right? And allow yourself mm-hmm. to understand what's happening out here. I think you can be in a little better space and position, if you will, um, you know, for dating again after such a long time. And I think that's that's important, you know, because being middle-aged, um, you know, our experiences when we probably met our spouses was very different and how people navigated dating and meeting people and those type of things. It's, it's, it's a different world. Now people are different. Society's different and the dating space um, and relationship talk is different. We could do a whole podcast on that too, but definitely you know, it's interesting <laughs> that you, that you bring that up because for me, I got married at 29 and prior to uh, getting married, my ex-husband and I dated for about a year or so, and we were friends for a couple of years before that. And then prior to that, I was in another long-term relationship. So for me now at uh, the age of 43, when I was really coming out of my, mar- my marriage, that's some time ago, I'm a little older now, but I had to recognize that this was the first time that as now, you know, in my 40s that I was free and available to date. And I had to recognize that there's a difference, kind of what Angela said, there's a difference between um, dating. I feel like that's an exploration phase. There's boundaries in place. We're getting to know one another. And then there's the courting phase where we've already established that that's an old school word, right? right. <laughs> the, the, the courting phase where we've sort of already established that we have similar values and likes and, you know, that we're kind of on the same path. It might be a little bit different for what that looks like in terms of relationship for when you're dating versus, you know, when you're courting. But for me, it was important to take some time to just 
reorient myself with myself, given now at 40, you know, three, four, 43, 44, 45, here I was, I had children, I was, you know, looking for a way to rebuild my life. And it seemed to me that the dating aspect would would complicate matters for me at that time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it is interesting space. <laughs> it's an interesting space. We have to revisit that on the podcast. Another Very podcast. <laughs> but the bottom, the bottom line of that though is still healing. Yes, is top priority. Yes. top priority. Yes, because really, you can find yourself in another negative relationship if you don't do the you work. You sure can. You sure can. Because if because at one point, I think about a year after my divorce was final, I was like, oh man, I am healed. <laughs> I think I am healed. Well, it didn't take long to realize, well, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly what that point was, but I, you know, I think I had maybe gone through kindergarten. Okay. So now I'm at a different level and <laughs> right. just more healing. And, and I don't, that process is never ending. There will always be healing that needs to occur. And especially if, as we walk through life, um, like you were saying, when we're in, in relationships with people, whether it's dating or the courtship process, there will be things that happen that will hurt. And if we have not gone through some type of healing, it's going to be traumatizing. Yes. But if you have some healing behind you, you'll, you'll better understand how to deal with that. Absolutely. Because there are coping tools. There are tools that you, you need to learn. And many of us did not learn those growing up. Um, and right. so, you know, it's too bad that we're having to learn them as adults. But yeah, as long as we learn them. And, th- and that's a great segue into my final question for tonight, which is lessons, <laughs> right? <Whoa. laughs> Some lessons. Perfect, Angela. Just segue right in there. Um, and so my final question for tonight is, you know, um, up until this point, you know, when you sort of reflect back again, I'm sure we've all learned a ton of lessons, um, from our former marriage, you know, maybe the transitional process of divorce, or even where we are now is healed and moving forward and, you know, shifting and changing our lives. Um, you know, what would you say is one of the biggest lessons that you learned during the, you know, we'll look at the whole divorce process. So it could be, you maybe you learned a lesson at the end of your marriage or, or in that beginning transitional period or something, you know, personal to you that there was a lesson you learned about yourself or your experience. Now I'll even give you a minute to think about it. Um, what do you think was one of your biggest lessons learned through this whole process? Well, I'll go. One of the biggest lessons that I learned going through the divorce process. Um, I let me say, um, just say before I say that I, I'm a very trusting, probably even naive person. So I, I 
trust, even when I knew what kind of person my ex was, I still trusted him, believe it or not. That was crazy. But anyway, um, but one of the biggest things I learned, and maybe it will help somebody that is going through a divorce now or considering it is not to share information with your soon-to-be ex. Mm. Just don't, don't. It's, it's like opening your playbook to them. They take it and run. Wow, that's powerful. Yes, it is. That because, is- you know, in your marriage, that's what you do. You share. You go and to you trust. Yeah. And it's almost like a, it's, I don't know, it's come to my mind, it's like a default button because yes. you're so, yeah. you know, talking to that person, responding to that person, you know, um, even in certain situations, maybe calling them for help and things that, you know, because you were in that relationship and mm-hmm. that has changed. And which I could go into a whole nother podcast about men and women and how they respond to these situations. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's yeah. good. That, that is- was my biggest lesson learned. Wow. That's powerful. Well, thank you for that one. That's good. Not to share your information with your soon to be ex because they will use it or can use yep. it. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Nicole? I would say that one of the biggest lessons that I learned was to stay connected to myself, mm-hmm. to maintain that relationship with myself. Um, there were many times when I recognized something, but I brushed it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it wasn't that I didn't recognize it because I did, but I brushed it off. And I f- feel that that was a bit of a disconnection from myself. I, was, I began, um, as I experienced some things over and over again, each experience brought a further rupture to me trusting myself, to me trusting what I was seeing, what I was feeling, what I was hearing. Um, I lost the trust for myself. Um, And I think that it's really important that we stay connected to ourselves. God gives us as women intuition and that intuition is oftentimes spot on. And because of, I think, Now what I can see as my fear of what accepting what I was feeling, seeing, hearing would mean for me, right? Um, I sort of disconnected that part of me. And it's taken quite a bit of time to be able to rebuild my own self-intuition and that trust with myself. And I think that that's an important lesson in relationships that you still have to maintain a level of uh, relationship with yourself. In relationships, we tend to um, concede or yeah. compromise or you know serve out of the greater 
the greater picture or the, the goals that are down the line that we've talked about. And so as women, we're often the ones that give up things or uh, that give up some of our own dreams, some of our desires, how we're feeling about certain situations. And I would say that one of the most important lessons I learned is to make sure that I maintain in tune, tapped in to myself. Yes. Wow, that is powerful. Thank you so much. And I that love good. the intuition aspect because <clears throat> it is a powerful gift that God has given us as women. And when we just think back, you know, whether it has to do with a relationship or our children, right? Yes. We have function, mm-hmm. something's not right. Something's, and we just have to learn to tap into that more, right? And when we look in the, you know, look uh, at our history in the past, and you know, you mentioned some of those things that um, sometimes we didn't, we didn't trust ourselves or own that, uh, but that's a powerful gift that God has given us and we need to um, value it. We really need to value uh, that special gift that God has given us there. And I will add um, one of my biggest lessons learned, and I've been through two divorces, and that is not to lose myself or my voice. Mm -hmm. And for a plethora of reasons, I did that. I lost myself and you alluded to it, uh, Nicole, how we, mm-hmm. you know, but I lost myself and I lost my voice where I didn't speak up about the things that were important to me or what I really truly believed in. You know, I just went along to get along and that is at the top of my list. You know, my personal goals at this stage in my life, in my life, let's <laughs> the Lord cause me to do something different uh, really is to just you know, to authentically be myself and not to lose my voice. And, and I want to make be clear that as women today, we can own our voice, if you will, our thoughts, our values and opinions, um, our belief systems, um, our ideologies, what's important to us. Um, but we don't have to be nasty or boisterous or mistreating to others in that process. And sometimes it can be, um, uh, mishandled, if you will, you know, owning our voice, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or um, mm-hmm. uh, ourselves, our authentic selves, because um, even in, in me being my authentic self, I still have growth. I still need change in areas. You know, it's a, it's a process. It's still a process. Uh, but on my terms, uh, um, or I should say my God-given terms, I do everything first for God, what he tells me to do. Um, but yeah, um, and it sounds like we're all in a similar space, you know, these lessons that we learn from this process. And, you know, if you're listening here on this podcast today and you've been through um, this journey or you are just at the beginning, we just want to encourage you that you can make it through this process. And divorce looks different. The experiences are different for everyone, but we all have the same goal. Is to come to a level of healing and acceptance where we can move on to a new chapter of life and be happy and fulfilled. And there's so much more life to live. 
You know, I say it all the time, divorce is not the end all be all. And at times it feels like it is. It feels like your world is crumbling. And in some, some ways it is um, emotionally, but you can make it through it. And these two women have shared so much on tonight to help you with that process. And I love the dichotomy of your stories, if you will, and your experiences to share on tonight. And I truly, truly appreciate uh, both of you for joining the podcast tonight and being a guest. Um, powerful voices, both of you. And God is going to use your stories in a mighty, mighty way. I already know that you already have companies and you're growing and helping women already, but there's so much more for you both. And I'm excited to see you um, flourish and to help healing, hurting women. So again, tonight, thanks so much, Angela and Nicole, Angela Mendigal Williams and Nicole Deneen. And Angela, how can people stay connected with you? Do you have a Facebook, Instagram, any groups or anything if they want to learn more about you? Um, I do not have my group set up yet. I'm in the process of that now. Um, let's see. I, my, I have a personal Facebook group, Angela Mendengal Williams. <laughs> I share a lot. I share a lot there um, for now. Um, and I will be sharing more as far as when I get everything else set up. I am fledgling and uh, just now beginning to grow. I'm looking forward to spreading my wings. Yes, yes, absolutely. And Nicole, how can women or Yes, find me. <laughs> so I am on uh, Facebook under Nicole Deneen. That's N-I-C-O-L-E. D as in David, E-N-I-N-E, two words. I can be located on um, Instagram, also under Nicole Deneen. And I have a few things that are in the works and will be coming out soon. A couple of courses on um, forgiveness, on core values, and um, a few other things. I think that our divorce, well, for me, I will say that my divorce, my divorce journey certainly impacted every area of my life. Um, and therefore, I really do believe in a, like a holistic healing approach. So much of my platform is going to be used to really talk about how we can heal all areas of our life um, and what that looks like. And, um, you know, our body holds the score a lot of times as well. And so breathing exercises and uh, getting out into nature, really looking at how we can bring joy and adventure into our lives, um, how we maintain our home environments, things of that nature really are my jam. And I'm really looking forward to being able to share that with women. Yes, that is amazing, yes. Well, again, thank you so much. And listen, listeners, thank you for joining us again on the Divorce Liberator podcast, where we talk about all things life, love, and lessons after divorce. Make sure you join us next time. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a great night. Good night.